interesting start of the day. <laughs> Very interesting start of the day. All right, so let's go to Romans 12. A little different with, with, with us being live and you get to see all our little mishaps and things behind the scenes. But that's how it would be if you were here, right? <laughs> it would be the same thing. Ain't that right, Trey? <laughs> all right, so, so let's get into, uh, we'll, we'll go to Romans 12, and I want us to hit a scripture that we visited here quite a bit um, in Romans 12, too. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed for the new one of your mind. So today we're going to talk about uh, mistaken identity or, or the hidden truth. And so how sometimes we're walking out of life, but it's not the life that God's designed. How we're walking out of life, but it's, it's, um, it's a, a facsimile or a counterfeit to, to the real us. And then you get to the point where you're living out that that life for so long or that mistaken identity for so long, you actually think it's you. And so when we go through different frustrations and challenges in our lives, we actually, uh, excuse me, technical difficulties again. I said, where was I at? I said, so, so again, a lot of times we, we live out this mistaken identity for so long, we actually think it's who we are. So we make our choices and our decisions for this mistaken identity. We're frustrated when we make, uh, when, when we are flowing in different uh, venues and jobs, and it seems like uh, the venues and jobs are, uh, we don't get the favor we want. Uh, it seems like we're, uh, we're mishandled or mistreated. That's all because we're outside of our design. So, so, so the thing is, we're trying to live a life we weren't designed to live. The life that we were designed to live, everything in this world has been purposed and galvanized to assist us in our purpose. Um, remember reading through, and I believe it's, uh, see, the pursuit of purpose or, or following God's plan for your life with Kenneth Hagin. And he was saying how he was flowing for a long time as a, a pastor. And, but God had never, he didn't realize, but God had, didn't design him to be a pastor. He was actually supposed to uh, operate an itinerant ministry. And so things didn't, didn't start to flourish for him until he got in his, in his, in his actual fit and calling. Now his fit and doing what he, what he was purposed to do took a lot more faith and it was maybe not as easy as the thing that he was comfortable at doing or that he wanted to do, but everything just exploded from there. Now, I think about even my life uh, for a long time, I was uh, pursuing basketball and, you know, uh, you may have some differences of opinion on this, but in, in quite a few circles, I had got pretty good. Uh, um, 
and in some circles, very good. Uh, but the interesting thing is, my whole life started to really flourish when I got into ministry, when I got into what I was purposed to do. Ministry was so, so it was, it was more uncertain. Like, like it's, it's still uncertain. It's a lot of uncertainty now. <laughs> There's a lot of things that, that, uh, well, everything, and not a lot of things, everything is outside of my control. Uh, but, but the reality is it's where all my peace, it's where, like, it's, it's uh, I was telling somebody the other day, it's not, it's not easy and it's not a struggle. It's a process. But there's something about, I think my wife can attest to this, there's something about the process that was almost like, this is what I was designed to do. And so I, so, so I remember, this is a little different. I, I just said I was playing basketball. So I remember I had an opportunity to play in a, what was deemed or labeled as a summer pro league. And so you're playing with college players and pros. And so, so I get into this league. I'm playing. And, and while I'm playing in this particular league, I, uh, at this particular time in my life, it was like, man, this is, this, this is the level I was designed to play at. Everything just, just went right. Everything just flowed. Like, it seemed like everything just flowed at that particular level. But when I got into ministry, I saw something way beyond that. Like, like when you get into what you're, when, when, when you, when you shed the, the, uh, the fronts, you said you shed the uh, the statuses and all those things. Like there's so much weight lifted because there is no weight you being what you designed to do. All the weight is when you're caught up or keeping up. All right. So 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 I have this question, and I want you to think about: Is do do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? And, and the reason why we're asking this question today is because a lot of times we've been operating in perverted purpose so long, we've gotten lost in it. We've operated in perverted purpose for so long, we've gotten lost in it. So we've assisted Satan, as we talked about this morning in the, in the uh, discipleship training class, we've assisted Satan in his quest to twist and confuse God's children by thinking we're worthless or not of any value. And so sometimes we'll just settle for less than our design. You know, for a lot of us, we've hidden a covering for less than or have used the cloak of insecurity to manipulate and control ourselves or others for more than. So we've, we've hidden this cloak of less than and we use the uh, uh, this cloak of insecurity because when we're less than, it's an automatic. In, we're insecure. We're not secure. There's not a peace in less than because we're not designed to be less than our design. But but we'll 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 play the victim in this in this uh, this uh, cocoon of less than and. We'll let our insecurities, because we're not secure, 
will use that to manipulate others uh, into not even being more than. You know, so, so, so instead of us rising be, to the level of our design, we'll pull people down to the level of our compromise. And that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous position and a place to be in. But it happens when we don't know who we are. You know, it's vitally important that we walk in the accuracy of who we are. It's vitally important that we walk in the accuracy of who we are. Mm. That's where our freedom and our fulfillment awaits, in the accuracy of where we are. We're at more peace. You know, when I work with, uh, well, first I work in uh, corrections, and when I work with youth, something that the Lord had gave me to share, um, and what he had gave me was that, that, that we're only going to be at peace or we're only going to be fulfilled in doing what we were designed to do. Anything less than doing what we designed to do, we're not going to be at peace because like, like, like I can't fly with somebody else's wings just like David couldn't fight with Saul's armor, right? It just it wasn't customized for him. It wasn't designed for him. Right, and that's, that's what happens. We actually wearing someone else's design thinking we're gonna win our battles of purpose. And it just doesn't happen that way. So, um, we, during this process of this teaching, I just wanna challenge us to, to rise above the fear of uncertainty and rise above the complacency of conformity and return to a life of transforming. Return to the wonderful life of transforming. You know, sometimes we don't allow ourselves to transform. Uh, we just read that Romans 12 too, but to conform because of the fear of uncertainty. By con at least I'm certain about what I'm conforming to even though it's less than who I am. You know, um, you know I, so I'll just stay complacent and conform and reject the stretch to transform into what I'm designed and purposed to do. So you have to ask yourself, you know, um, how do you want to live this life? Like Christ was a great example. Um, you know, Christ was a duplicator, a multiplier, and a creator. Do we want to live like Christ? You know, even John, John was a, a steward or establisher, preparer of the way. He was a servant. You know, we want to live like these examples of the Bible and, and live out our, our unique design. I mean, God's a creator. He designed us to be creators, and he put a special ability for us to create in the midst of uncertainty. So as you, you, you're, you're, you're forging out, or carving out your design, you're gonna find yourself in the midst of uncertainty. You're gonna find yourself uh, dealing with situations where you're wondering, excuse me, where, you, where you're gonna wonder how, how do I get beyond this or, or how is this all gonna come together? You gotta challenge yourself to tap into your creative DNA. There's, there's, there's a peace in you, God's image and after God's likeness that's been, 
been lying dormant waiting for you to stimulate it to see on the canvas of your imagination who you truly are and what God has purposed you to be. But, but you, 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 uh, you throw mud on it or you smother it or you smear it or you cloud it when you keep looking at comparing yourself or trying to conform to others. But you want to look into his mirror and be changed to his image day by day, day by day. Right? That's, that's what our goal is. Uh, we're, basically, we're trying to rendezvous with ourselves. You know, we have to realize, you know, okay, the scripture talks about being faithful in another man's. So, and that's about assisting others to purpose so we could discover our purpose. But in some cases, we're not assisting other people to purpose. We're protecting our per perverted position. See, we're, we're hiding in a perverted position, twisted position. That's outside of God's design. And so we have to make sure we're not hiding in a perverted position. And we have to make sure we're not married to something that belongs to someone else. We're not married to a purpose or a design that belongs to someone else. Because we'll never, it's almost like being married to someone that belongs to someone else. You're never going to be happy. <laughs> they don't love you. And see, so when you're, when you're trying to be married to compromise, you'll never be happy. Compromise doesn't love you. Purpose does. Purpose was designed to love you. We talk about this in relationships. You know, there's always somebody in your, out God has designed that you don't have to work as hard being who you are. You know, you don't have to, like, you, you take a step this way. Why are you stepping that way? You take a step that way. Well, I don't understand why you took a step that way. Which step you want me to take? You know, like every little thing is a, is a, is a, is a complaint or an issue uh, in you just being your design. You know, that's not God has designed someone to appreciate you, your flaws, your mishaps, your just the way you are. And purpose is like that. Your purpose, what your purpose to do ha loves, like, like what's, what's, a, what's a, I guess, what's a irritant to someone else when you're in the right fit is like, it's, man, that's special. I've never seen nobody do it that way. When you're outside of your fit, what the heck is you doing? What's wrong with you? I mean, I could tell you thousands of things that people was like, well, I don't understand why you do that. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and I'm in, a, I'm in a position in life where, man, that's special. I, I, could you show me how to do that? So it's just how, you know, it's just kind of how you look at it. You have to ask yourself, are you, re, are you afraid to move from status into purpose? So sometimes we're so conformed into what's going to give me status that, that Purpose could be staring us right in our face, and we'll go, okay, how much status is involved in that? And, and the interesting thing about purpose, purpose on the front end doesn't look special. It looks like a, a, a just like a, a diamond doesn't look special when you first look at it. It looks like a rock. It's carved out into this precious stone. And the thing is, purpose is the same way. It, it, on the front end, it may not seem like status, but once you keep digging it, once you keep carving it out, it shines brilliant. 
And but you have to ask you sometimes we're so busy holding on to status. I know some very unhappy people, but they have a lot of status in life. Right. So it's not about status it's about purpose. We must realize it's not the job, the office, the profession, not the degree or the finances that make the person. It's the person that makes the status, makes the finances, makes the degree, makes the profession, makes the office makes the job. It's the person that makes it. And God that makes the person. See, so a lot of times we think once I get and once I have, and, and I watch how people operate when they get and have. Like their whole attitude changes because they think what they have and what they got is who they are. They don't even know who they are. And this is the thing is, is, is you make the status. You, you make everything. So if you don't know who you are, you can have everything in the world and you'll still be unhappy because you've lost sight of you, right? So if you become the man or woman that God has designed before obtaining uh, then whatever you obtain will be enhancements. It will be in addition to. You know, Matthew 6.33, it tells us what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added unto us. Right? Matthew 6.33. So it tells us what he's saying is kingdom work first. He says, I need you to become the man and woman of God I designed first. And then I want to add things because now they're in addition to enhancements of. But if you gain the things before you gain the king, then... You'll wear the things as who you are, who you are, and that's not the job. If you gain before discovering you, the things you gain will be replacements, only forging the, the real you. They won't be the real you, right? Uh, this is the thing. We, we, we don't want to have a uh, godly form and honoring lips with no power and a distant heart. We don't want to have godly form and honoring lips with no power and a distant heart. Let's look here at 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. We don't want to have godly form and just honoring lips with no power and a distant heart. A lot of these scriptures are familiar, but it'll line up what we're talking about. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse 5. 2 Timothy 3, verse 5. It says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. It says, people that have the form of godliness, but deny the power. It says, for such turn away. So the interesting thing is God is instructing to turn away from those that just have the form of godliness but no power, that means even if you're in a position, whether status or what have you, well, God's people are not running to you. They're running from you because you, you, you're not equipped with power. Um, so look here at uh, Isaiah 29. It's a familiar scripture in Mark 7, 6. We won't go to Mark 7, 6, but I just figured I'd read the Isaiah 29, verse 13 version. 
Verse 13. It says, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as the people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips and do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me and their fear or reverence toward me is taught by, priest, by the precept of men. It says they have removed their heart far from me and their reverence towards me is taught by the precept of men. It says, but they, but they, they talk a good game. It says they're honoring me with their lips. They're talking a good game. But see, it's, 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 it's beyond just lip service. It's having that heart connection. So God knows our heart is with us when we trust him enough to live out his design. You know, you figure we're in a society that's designed to pervert, twist, and change us. As we talked about this in discipleship class, how, how Satan tries to get a foothold in our minds and in our lives. And again, he start, his whole process is to convince us that we don't have enough. So when he offers his considerations, that's what he did with, uh, with uh, Adam and Eve. He's like, okay, you don't have enough. So you might want to consider uh, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Before that, evil wasn't an option, and they had more than enough. But once he convinced them that they didn't have enough, then now they have to consider his options also. And so that's what Satan's been doing in a lot of our lives for years, trying to convince us that we're not enough. We don't have enough. You got you to gotta start to compromise and start to change. And it's a dangerous thing. To, to lose sight of yourself to a point where you're living in compromise and he's convinced you you don't have enough or you're not enough. And then you start to, uh, uh, you start to thirst to conform, right? And so we have to ask ourselves, or, um, even when we're dealing with other people, you know, something me and my wife, a part of our purpose and design is to uh, assist other people in fulfilling their purpose. Like, that's, we're fulfilled when people are fulfilled. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it, it's scary to some people because they're like, okay, what's the catch? Well, it's not the catch. It's like what our, what our design is. So, so even when you have to challenge and stretch people, at times they're like, okay, you know, I don't need this stretch. This person is trying to keep me from doing stuff. Well, no, our purpose is to help people fulfill their design. But I know very few people live there. Well, I think about that even when people have an opportunity to, uh, like some people have rarely took the time out to go all out to even make sure somebody gets celebrated. Rarely. Like, it might, some people may have gone all out. Uh, I'm talking about to, to where they wasn't thinking about themselves at all once or maybe nothing in their lives. Right? And so... It's hard to celebrate when you always think you don't have enough so that you think that anybody else that gains anything is taken away from you. You know, just like every time you see someone promoted or someone gets a like home or a car or stuff like that, if, you don't, if you're not uh, at peace with who you are, you're sizing them up as, man, they got this, I might not get this. You know, if you're in a fellowship with people and everybody go out their way to give to this person, you're like, man, they ain't going to have enough to give to me. Because see, see, again, you're not at peace to know that, that when you're in your design, everything God has for you is attracted to you. 
And so we have to watch that because we can find ourselves when we're not, we don't know who we are. We can find ourselves uh, crippling or even sabotaging those we're supposed to assist to the next level. You know, like as Saul did with David. Saul was supposed to assist David, not sabotage, right? But he started to lose uh, confidence in his design. What David was doing had nothing to do with what Saul was doing. Like Saul was the anointed king, had favor with God. David blowing up did not change what God was going to do in Saul's life. Saul handled it wrong. You see what I'm saying? Like, like, like Saul handled it wrong. Well, Saul handled some things wrong way before that. That's how David was about to take over the kingdom in the first place. You know what I'm saying? But, was, but suppose John thought like that. You know, John was supposed to prepare the way for Jesus. You know, so sometimes we, 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 we're, we're so busy thinking about ourselves where we can end up sabotaging. We don't know how to fulfill our design. We don't trust God in our design. I think about this. I think of a, a young man that he just loved being an usher. Like, he, that was his thing. He just, his thing was, I just love being an usher at church. And he did it. He did, he was just so, so thrilled. Like, this is my, the, my design. Well, somebody walks up to him in church because of how he treated him and gives him a presidential Rolex for ushering. <laughs> You know, just because he was an usher. And then I think about the guys. guy loved cleaning. Uh, it's great. Uh, I mean, phenomenal at cleaning. And so he goes into, uh, uh, he's at this, uh, he's working at this job and goes into the bathrooms and looks and sees the bathrooms. Man, these bathrooms need cleaning. So he goes in there and cleans the bathrooms and, like, even gets into the cracks and everything with toothbrushes and stuff like that. So one day... Uh, the CEO was in a rush, and he had to use that bathroom. So he says, my God, he says, like, who cleaned this bathroom? Like, that bathroom was cleaner than the bathroom on his floor. And they, uh, and they told him who did it. So, so this guy got promoted to an executive position because he said a person with this level of excellence and diligence don't need to be down here at this level, need to be up here at the level with me. You see what I'm saying? So, so you'll be surprised uh, we hear the scripture that your gift make rooms for, make, make, uh, makes room for you. And of course, the prosperity uh, angle of people is, you know, once I give people gifts, it'll make room for, for, for you. But I think if you operate in your gift, it makes room for you. <laughs> I think it opens a lot of doors for you, right? So, so just uh, keep that in mind. Um, you know, it's time for us to embrace the truth, you know, like God's reality. You know, not um, what, this, what we've been fed, the counterfeit. Um, I was going to get into the story of Saul, but you can read that on your own time, First Samuel 18. But let's get into John chapter 8. Let's go to John chapter 8, verse 31. Start embracing the truth. And Jesus, uh, the word, talks about us operating in this level of truth or reality so much, sometimes we can unintentionally overlook it. All right, let's look at verse 31. It says, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him. Okay, so since y'all believe on me, he says, If you continue in my word, 
then you are my disciples indeed. Of course, we were talking about this uh, discipleship earlier today. And then verse 32, and ye shall know, that we're no means to be intimate with, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. He says, so now you're, you, you're saying you want to, you believe on me. So now if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples now. So it's not enough to come to the altar, but we're following Christ and you're continuing in his word. He says, you are my disciples indeed. He says, and while you're continuing in that word, the more you continue in that word, like we talked about last week, 2 Corinthians 3.18, is like beholding yourself in the mirror and you're changing to his image day by day, right? Into his image. So he says, you become my disciples. He says, you're going to know the truth. Be intimate with the truth. Now that word truth there means final reality of finished product. So we've talked about this over the years here at the church. You know, uh, it's like, when you see a, a tadpole, the truth is it's a bullfrog. You see a caterpillar, the truth is that's a butterfly. Final reality. The final reality. So there's a, there's a part, there, there, you know, we talked about this the other week, uh, well, last week, Second Corinthians 13, that we, we now we know in part, but then we'll see face to face. Well, now we're looking through a glass darkly, but then when it's clear, we'll see face to face. Now we know in part, but then we'll know even as we're known by God, right? But, but the interesting thing is when the scripture says we'll know the truth, the final reality, and the final reality will make us free. See, because now I've embraced the truth that of, of my design. And, and, and see, when I embrace the final reality, in other words, this is where I'm at. This is where God is taking me. Because this is, this is the, 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 the path of my design, or this is the elevation of my design, or this is the manifestation of my design. When I embrace that, when I embrace that truth, I'm free. Because now, I'm not caught up in keeping up. See, see I'm, I'm running my race. I'm running my course. I'm fulfilling my design and purpose, so I'm not under pressure to what everybody's doing. This person can be out ahead. So, you know, I'm, we're pastor in the church. So pastor in the church, person had 20,000 members, uh, 17 locations. That has nothing to do with me. I'm, I'm, I'm running my race. I'm fulfilling my design. And so people delay their manifestation of what they're supposed to do because the, the energy and the effort they're supposed to be spending in preparing for what their purpose to do, they're using that energy and effort in trying to keep up with others, uh, with other designs, not fulfilling their design. All your energy, all your preparation, your humility, all your faith has to be in what you're designed to do. And so we go, well, what's taking so long? What's taking so long is you ain't even on the road. You, you're not embracing what qualifies you to handle what your gifting and calling is going to produce. If, if, if God gave it to you, it will crumble because, see, 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 when I know, okay, so when I knew I wanted to play basketball, I knew I had to work out a certain way to be ready to play. Like I wasn't, guess what? I wasn't working out uh, on a football field. I wasn't, I, I wasn't at the batting cage. I wasn't doing those things. I wasn't on the golf course because I was preparing for basketball, right? 
So I'm called in purpose to pastor. I'm, I had to get in his word. I had to be diligent in his word. I had to know the, I had to know the word back. But not only that, guess what? I have to embrace people. I had to embrace the humility of serving people, right? On, not at my convenience. Yeah, so I was talking to some a uh, uh, couple of leaders uh, yesterday, and uh, I was like, okay, well, you know, if there's ever a void in that situation, I said, I got you. It's like, well, you know, we figure you're busy. Well, one person said, well, I just figured you're too busy. I mean, I don't, you're doing so much now, I don't want to put nothing on you. The other person said, you're doing so much. I said, well, one, give me the choice. I said, but two, realize it's kind of what I'm purposed to do. You know, like, like you know, uh, something I, I, I hear my wife, heard my wife say, people are like, well, I just want to help you. So, so sometimes they're trying to relieve her for what she, she actually loves to do, but, but maybe what's a weight and a pressure and she ain't getting no relief for that, but they're relieving her for what, the, the, for what she likes to do, <laughs> you know, what she's purposed to do. Like, she's designed to do that. She, that's not even work for her, you know what I'm saying? So I was saying to them, I said, no, this ain't even work for me, you know, because it's what I'm purposed to do. And that's the thing, like, that's why you want to get in your fit, get in your, get in your purpose, embrace the truth. Let's, let's look at here, Isaiah, Isaiah 55. Rendezvous with yourself. Rendezvous with yourself because that's the holdup. The holdup is all that you're believing for is looking for you. So I think about this. We go to Isaiah 55. I think about this like, so you got to think about like, like, like you walking up to the door of purpose and they asking you, okay, yes, how you doing there, sir? Uh, what are you here for? Well, you know, how you guys heard there's fulfillment provision, you know, there's all, you know, power, you know, there's all types of things uh, for me, exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask to think, you know, so I was, I'm here for that. Sir, uh, uh, okay, do you have your ID with you? Uh, well, yes, yeah, sir, I have my ID, uh, you know, uh, just give me a second here, I have it here somewhere, and it's just, yes, so here you go. And so you put out the ID, it says, Okay, hold on. Let me just line you up here. See here. No, sir. We we don't have you listed. No, 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 no. No, no, I'm telling you. Is this your ID, sir? I mean, is this is this you? Have has this been changed in any type of way? <laughs> All right, well, tell you what, tell you what, why don't you just uh, step through the scanner here. The scanner has been designed uh, to uh, diagnose how you were fearfully and wonderfully made. We could, we could determine if you have the proper ID or you're ready for this. Okay, step through the scanner. Okay, sir, hold on, just give us a second here. Oh, no. Woo! 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 Oh, what have you been doing? Listen, according to the scanner, like, you're nowhere near your design. So I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to let you in. You're going to have to go back. Did you skip any preparation along the way? I mean, was, 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 were you around any tutors and governors 
that were trying to prepare you for this appointed time? Did you embrace the things that you were learning? Uh, were you diligent on the word day and night? Did you meditate on the word day and night? I mean, did, did, you didn't skip around none of this stuff, right? You, you, I mean, you didn't get caught up in lust and different things of that nature, right? You know that kind of clouds you on a path. Well, sir, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to go back, um, uh, reset with some of these tutors and governors because you're really not ready for this appointed time. We're sorry, we can't let you in. Like, like so, so, so a lot of times we go through this because we, we, we're, we're running from the truth. Like, we don't trust God. Like, and uh, it's Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. So look, look at this. It says, uh, verse 6, it says, Seek the Lord, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. It said, the licked, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, for he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, and watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. It says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. So here, God's thoughts above his, our thoughts, his ways are above our ways, right? And so we want to harmonize with God to see, oh, yes, he fearfully and wonderfully made us, but since, since his thoughts are above our thoughts, the ways are above our ways, let me embrace God's truth about my life, right? See, this is the thing. The truth, though it's been avoided for some odd reason, <laughs> is the key to where God is. The truth is the key to staying where God is. So I want to stay in harmony with God, be changed to his image and after his likeness. The truth is the key. Now, why is this so, so important? Um, and, you know, we, we went through a scenario. Take a fish out of water, it dies. Take a tree out of the ground, it dies. Take a man apart from God, he dies. Look at John 15. John 15, and we're going to start at verse 1 here. Remember, Jesus says, I am the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But look here, it says uh, Jesus in here, you know, that's in the next couple of chapters over, but no, I'm sorry, that was the chapter before. Uh, John 15, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the husband man. It says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Look, abide, that's remain in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of, except, of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except you abide in me, remain in me. It says, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, 
without me, you can do nothing. And so, so, so a part of this is staying connected to God, embracing the truth. And, and, and you might ask yourself, why don't, um, why don't more people embrace this truth? And, and there's a, there, are, there, are, there are many reasons for what I like to call truth flight. Truth flight. Um, <laughs> but the main reason for truth flight is this. Uh, it's hard for people to trust God in becoming free. Like, it's hard to trust God. You know, like, like, like remember, I, there's a scenario of the caged birds where the guy, finally the birds was bound and they was getting uh, poked and throttled. And the guy bought the birds and took them to a mountain and let the birds free. But they were so used to, every time they came to that door of freedom, they were so used to getting poked and stabbed and pricked and cut. You know, when the door was open, they, they, they now were bound in their own mind. And so when God introduced you to yourself, when you come face to face with yourself, Scripture says you behold yourself in the mirror, the person beholds himself and goes his way or goes the way of compromise and forgets what manner of man he was. When God has exposed a lot of people to the truth, they don't trust what they see because what they see is fulfilling, it's thrilling. It's exceedingly abundantly above all they can ask or think. And they would rather trust the worst case scenario than trust God's blessing and favor on their life. And so the, the hard part about truth or why you have truth flight, um, because leaping is a lot harder than taking safe steps. So a lot of times when God shows us stuff, we'll, we'll take a safe step. You know, we'll take a safe step, which, uh, which facilitates us resisting the things that free us, or, or i.e. called the truth. You know, I, you know, I think about uh, uh, when you're preparing for a great purpose, and of course, great purpose is great preparation. So it takes a level of, 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 of uh, embracing the truth to know that this preparation is a part of, of, of what I'm going to do or, or, or what God has purposed for me, so I'm not going to miss out. Um, because I'm, in embracing the whole thing, you know, I, I'll tell you this. I don't know if other players think this, but there's one thing about when you go to play basketball. So any time I've gone to play basketball, any time. So when I go to play, so it's better to prepare yourself when you're playing. So get up some shots before you play. Out. Pros do it. Pros, they be shooting for hours. Y'all probably don't know this. They shoot two, three hours before a game. You guys know, watch the Knicks practice after us in college and guys shoot around, shooting all, just shooting before the game. So, you know, so I picked up some things over the years, so I know it's better to, uh, to warm up, to shoot, stretch, uh, do all types of stuff before you play, right? But this is the thing, if, you, if, you, if, if you're rushing, right, then you're, you don't want to stretch because <laughs> you want to play. Like, yeah, or, yeah, I could be on a bike, you know, I could be on a bike warming up, and I'd be like, you know, something in me is like, I just want to get out there and play, you know, so I'm not riding a bike as long. If I get there real early, ain't nobody there, I'll get all my time in on the bike and stuff like that. 
Or if I showed up, uh, the times I show up at games and I have a certain ritual before games, ball dribbling, stuff like that. But, but, but I just want to get to playing. You know what I'm saying? Like something in me just say I want to get to playing. And there's times when I pull muscles. Uh, there's one guy, I don't know if you're watching this, if, if not, where he would always show up at the gym late and he was always pulling his hamstring. And we used to always say, dude, you got to get up in the morning, man. You know, but when he got there, he knew he needed to stretch and he knew he pulled his hamstring. You know what I'm talking about, right? He knew he was pulling his hamstring, but he would, uh, but he would be so tempted, man, like, but they, you know, people running up and down the court, yelling, screaming, knocking out shots. He's like, I got to get out there. I got to get out there. And he would get out there and pull a hammy, right? This is the thing, like, we have to embrace the preparation. We have to trust that what God has for us will be there for us, but it won't be temporary because we took our time in embracing the things that we needed. So that, that's one of the things that causes truth flight. Another thing is, uh, in, a, in a little bit of time we have left, I, I, this is a big one here. We talked about this a little bit yesterday at Guy Talk. I've talked about it a thousand times here, is what, what, what I call blind spots. Uh, so a blind spot is where we see ourselves versus where we truly are. Blind spot is where we see ourselves versus where we truly are. So, so, so this is the key. It's not what you see is what you don't see. That's what's in your blind spots. Not what you see, what you don't think. Listen, man, I'm 57. I'll be 58 in August. And I still change lanes thinking the coast is clear. Like I done looked in the, in the side view mirror. I done looked behind me. I know there's nothing there. And sure enough, I checked, beep, it happened another day. Me and my wife were driving. I just knew there wasn't nothing over there. But, but it was. It was in my blind spot. And so uh, when I first got this revelation, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine and I asked him, we're assessing his situation. And he was like, no, nah, everything's great, man. Everything's great. And so I said, you sure? Because I saw something different. And he was like, no, 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 everything's great. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm tripping. And then the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 no. Explain it to him this way. So I gave, I gave this scenario. I said, okay, so, so we both driving. It's raining, it's fog, and we driving. His windows fog, stuff like that. And so I'm driving behind him. And I called him on the phone. I said, man, what are you doing? He's like, what are you talking about, man? What am I doing? I said, man, you can't see nothing. He said, man, yes, I can. I said, well, tell me, tell me, tell me what you see, man. Tell me what you see, because I'm telling you, you're, you're blind. He said, no, nah, no. Nah. Uh, uh, stereo system, steering wheel, uh, uh, this, that, and the other. I said, okay, well, if you, if you clear your windows, you'll see you just ran over the last three people. So, so what I said was, it's not what you see. So when a person says, man, you're not seeing something, they're not saying you can't see at all. What they're saying is there's, there's things in your blind spots you can't see. But we fight for what we do see, not open ourselves up for what we're not seeing, what's in our blind spot, right? And that's, that has us running from truth because we don't think we need the truth. And so, so the answer to clearing these blind spots and embracing truth is absorb yourself in this word. Absorb yourself in this word. Let's go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. I listen, man, I listen to people, you know, 
I'm a servant, so I'm designed to serve, and I, and I have to serve truth, too, you know, and I watch, you know, you could watch the person that's not used to a truth diet, they're very, they'll snap defensively. Like, every time you, 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 you try to give them an angle of, hey, hey, you might want to consider this going forward, because you're giving them information for where they're going, and they'll, and they'll, they'll, they'll give you a, a, a a counter, like 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 people that don't that that aren't used to a truth diet always have a counter. Like you can just say, "Hey man, you need to you need to work out more." I'm in shape. I didn't ask you was you in shape. <laughs> you need to work out more, you know, or you you need to read more. I read the Bible, you know. And me and my wife, we've been in situations like, "Do you read?" Because because you can see where there's a reading deficiency. I I read every day, right? And so. I guess they're not used to people asking the next question. So I'd be like, so what do you read? How much do you read? How consistent do you read? And so I had to keep asking questions because I'm like, I know I'm not tripping. This is the symptom. <laughs> right? This is the symptom. And so what it is is there's stuff in people in our blind spots. And this word will help us. Psalm 119. The whole Psalm 119 will help you. But let's just go to... Uh, a familiar scripture at our church. One thirty. It says, "The inches of the words giveth, inches of thy word giveth light. It gives understanding to the simple." So, 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 so again, and then uh, let's go to John one eight. So I can ex John one, John chapter one, so I can explain this. The way you may have heard it before, but a lot of a lot of what we've been getting over the years pieces to this entire message. So this is actually the whole puzzle put together. All right, so John chapter one, verse five. It says, and, and uh, see, how can I do it? I'll just start at verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that, anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So here you have... Um, uh, you have, when, when things are dark or clouded or there are blind spots in our life, we in, we're in need of light that will reveal what we're not seeing. So the interest of the word bringeth that light and gives understanding at the simplest level of understanding. We talked about the levels of intelligence at one time, um, uh, uh, not, not as a criticism, but as a reality. Everybody's at different levels of intelligence, but the more words you get, the more it increases your ability understand and to see. Uh, Psalm 119.98 says, um, now I don't have that listed for you, but it's just in me. Uh, it says, through the words you get understanding. You have more understanding than your teachers, than the ancients, and even your enemies. That's Psalm 119.98 through, uh, through around 101 or so. And so, so what it's saying is, the more I get into this word, I understand when it says your, your enemies, those that are coming at you. It says your uh, the ancients, those that are older, you pick up, when they communicate stuff, you pick up on their wisdom fast. I said, well, what are you talking about? 
right? When, um, when it says your teachers, when your teachers are communicating to you, it, it's, it brings confirmation and revelation, not just new information, right? So, so, so that's, what, that's why we got to really embrace this word, you know, so we can, because, so we can, we can remove these blind spots. No, see, when we have no more clouded minds, our vision is, is, is expanded to seeing see the unseen realm. See, uh, the veil is opened up. So when, when, we have, when our minds aren't clouded, our vision is expanded to see beyond the veil, seeing the blind spot, seeing the unseen realm. Unseen realm. And the thing is, we think uh, our success excuses us from having to see. We, we think our success justifies our position. But, but listen, listen, the good thing is I've been on this earth 50-some years. I know a lot of successful people. Their blind spots is the reason why I was temporary. You know, like, like their blind spots is the reason why they're unfulfilled and they're not happy. Their blind spots is the reason why they, they, they uh, uh, tan up everything around them. Right? The blind spots is the reason why God won't endorse their life even though they're worldly successful. So it's so important that we must, uh, you know, put our word lenses to see our way towards purpose. We've got to put on our word lenses to see our way towards purpose, right? Just to, to see, to clear our vision from illusion, deception, or, you know, something called depth perception where, where, you know, you think you have time, but things may be closer than they appear. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You think you have more time, but things are closer than they appear. Because when you know that, when you have, when things are closer, you know what? I got to get, I got to get busy. I got to be locked into some things. And so, this is the thing. Improper vision causes destiny collisions. Improper vision causes destiny collisions. So, so, so I, I'll give you this. I have a, a, a few friends, but as I was growing as a young minister, uh, it was uh, four of us used to hang out. One of them was an armor bearer. He was like, a, you know, top armor bearer uh, at the church, but, you know, kind of uh, a guy uh, considered for what he did, a, a solid armor bearer in the country. Uh, the other guy was a construction guy, so he uh, ended up being a... Uh, uh, general contractor to, to, to build the uh, $5 million building that we were a part of. And then the, the, the fourth guy was a pilot. Well, not was a pilot. Well, all these people still do what I just said. So he is a pilot, flies around the, uh, the, the country. And so when I was studying this out, this is way back then, I've been putting this information together for a long time. I was asking him because we... We, you know, because every, so when he got his degree, this is good. He got his degree. He was like, okay, I'm ready to go. And, and, and we, they was like, no, no, you can't fly yet. You got to pass this rating and this rating. You need this many hours. So he had to keep going through a process to do a, a prop plane, a twin engine. I might not be saying it right, Ralph, but a, a jet, a, a Learjet, whatever, you know, to wherever he flies jets now, whatever, you know. But it, it was, every time he thought, I'm ready. It was like, oh, no, no, you need this. Oh, no, no, you need this. Uh, just like in our life. I'm ready. God said, oh, no, no, you need this. But 
we were talking one day, and I was talking to him, and he, he said, well, you got he said, I got to go through these, uh, uh, he had to be certified for instrument reading. So you have IFR and VFR. VFR is visual flight reading. IFR is instrument flight reading. So when you're in the clouds, you got to trust your instruments. Like, because you, you can't see. And then sometimes even when you're not cloudy, you have to trust your instruments because you deal with depth perception. You see what I'm saying? So you may, uh, one of the well-known people crashed their plane because they thought they had more landing space. They, they crashed their plane right into the ground <laughs> because they were, they were flying off visual and they should have trusted the instruments, right? Same thing. We try to fly off of our purpose life visual, using our visual when sometimes we have poor depth perception you know, things are further than they appear, closer than they appear. Sometimes we're dealing with illusion. Things aren't what they seem. Sometimes we're caught up in delusion with defending an illusion, right? So we have to actually trust the instruments, <laughs> right? We got to fly IFR. Even though it looks one way, we're trusting what the instruments are telling us, right? That's why we got to get into this word. You know, so we can, <laughs> so we can, um, we can see what's not seen. See, one of the things when you're in the clouds, the instruments will show you stuff that you that you can't see with the naked eye. When we're in a cloud in our life, the word shows us what we can't see with the naked eye. So the goal is to have a clear thinking mind so we can pick up God's signals. A clear thinking mind so we can pick up God's signals. So I'm going to close out with these few scriptures I'll give you. Um, um, Ephesians chapter 1, 18. And we're, we're going to end with these. Ephesians 1. Because the scripture is telling us what we need to actually fulfill our design or to find ourselves. So Ephesians 1.18, this this I love this. Uh, it says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling, what's your, what your purpose to do, and what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. Like, you know, it says, and what is the exceeding great power to us, word who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and sat him at his own right hand in heavenly places, for above all principalities and power, their might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but that which has come and has put all things on his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. But, but 18 says the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So that's your eyes, your inner eye, right? It says that you understand the hope of your calling, what you were designed to do. And what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints? See, once you start to see, you'll see the value of doing what you were purposed to do in the kingdom. See, we think everything else is more important than kingdom work. See, we think, well, of course, surely God understands because, you know, I'm doing whatever. I, I don't want to list things because I don't want people to feel bad. Well, we have all these list of things that we value as giving us more value than our inheritance in the kingdom, or what we're called and purpose to do. And the eyes of understanding being enlightened, we're, we're cheating ourselves. See, that, see, again, 
It doesn't mean you may not have the platform, whether it's athletics, whether it's doctor, lawyer, what, you know, uh, listen, uh, was, was it Ben Carson? Yeah, yeah the doctor, right? Doctor, uh, top surgeon. I think he's, what is he? What is he now, secretary or something? What is he? Yeah, no, I think he got another job. <laughs> I think he got something else. But what I'm saying is like, he's, a, he's working for the government. I was listening to him. I was listening, hey, I was listening to him on a Christian show. <laughs> and he was breaking down what's going on. All, all word, he was just breaking it down. He was just, everything what the Bible says, everything. And he was like, you gotta look at it this way. So he broke down from the doctor angle, but lined it all up with the word. So here he's, he's a Christian, he's a doctor, but he's using his platform like he doesn't think is, he's cheating himself to, uh, for his inheritance in the saints. And then um, uh, Ephesians 3, let's go over there, Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3, 14, it's for the sake of time. It says, uh, for this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you according to his riches and glory to be strengthened with might by the Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend, look, with all saints, what is the breadth, length, depth, and height. What is the whole picture? And to know the love of God, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Right? That's why 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, worried about uncertainties, how this is going to play out. But power, love, and a sound mind, a clear thinking mind. Right? That's all I have for you today. I, you know, I took a little couple minutes extra there to make sure you got the scriptures. Um, you know, as we challenge ourselves to embrace the truth and rendezvous with ourselves. Like God is really, really trying to, uh, in these last times, to make sure we're in position for all that he wants uh, uh, to give us and provide for us. All right, so let's, uh, what we'll do is pray before we have our offering. We'll pray, uh, then I'll, at the end here, I'll uh, just share a couple of things with you as we are putting together a plan for um, the eventual return to church. All right, well, Father God, we lift you up, magnify you, and exalt you. We just thank and praise you for you reminding us who we are, whose we are, and what we're purposed to do in this life. Lord, we just thank and praise you, Lord, just um, for giving us a tool to help us to see and challenging us to, to trust you in our design, trust you in the midst of uncertainty, trust you in the midst of competition and pressures, trust you in the midst of, 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 of as David says, people prospering in the way <laughs> um, that you, what you have for us, you have for us and help us to not be wearing well-doing and to have need of patience after we've done your will, we will definitely receive the promise in Jesus' name. Amen.